0: Hey everyone, Peter Klein here. Welcome to another episode of We Had No Idea. Uh, here north of the border, it is Remembrance Day week. That comes up on uh, Friday. So we thought for this week we would go back and go over one of our old episodes, uh, specifically our World War One episode. This was an eye-opening one. Um, we even have in the description, it's the War to End All Wars you know, except for the other words that happened after it. So uh, we learned a lot going into this episode, and uh, this one will give you a, a bit of an understanding of uh, Remembrance Day and kind of the, the significance around the, the date and all of that. So enjoy our episode from October 13th, 2021, as we go back and relive and relearn about World War One. Hi, I'm Peter Carson. And I'm Peter Klein. Episode 28.
1: Wow, that's my age.
0: Hey, look at that. <laughs>
1: hey. We come to you from McKinsey's and we acknowledge that we get the privilege of living and producing this show on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Tsitsina Nations, the Iahe-Nakota Nations, the Métis Nation Region 3, and all people who make their homes in the Treaty 7 region of southern Alberta. You can find out what native lands you're on by looking at native-land.ca.
0: The sources for the show today, history.com, britannica.com, forces-war-records.co.uk.
1: .org.gov.facebook. <laughs> 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 uh,
0: miriam webster Dot com. I can't wait to find out what that's for. And bbc.com.
1: Wow. Good lineup. Mm-hmm. Good lineup this week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the subject uh, slash title of this podcast already probably told you that we will be talking about World War One.
0: Yes.
1: Right before we started this, I questioned whether we should have saved this for, you know, around November 11th time, which isn't too far away, but. Here we are what are you gonna do
0: yeah we're a month away
1: (laughs) look we're closer now than we were yesterday so there you go yeah here's the podcast
0: yeah
1: uh thank you so much as always for downloading for listening for you know enjoying probably subscribing rating reviewing all that good stuff it all helps telling a friend or two
0: or nine
1: Tell 28 friends.
0: Yeah, or 350. Like whatever. Like however, <laughs> however many friends.
1: Literally everybody you know, send yep. them an email. Hey boss, babe. I was listening to this podcast and I thought of you. You should listen too. Nice. <laughs> Gatekeep, girl boss, gaslight. <laughs> Welcome to We Had No Idea. <laughs> Um, Do you have anything to say before we get started today?
0: Uh, No, no, I think you you pretty well covered it. I'm I'm excited for this one. You said that there was another, oh my goodness, moment you had going through this, (laughs) and um, I love the aircraft anecdote that we have very early on in this, so uh, I'm excited for this one.
1: Okay, great. Well, why don't you get us started?
0: Okay. So... Um, Set the scene. Yes. Tensions were high throughout Europe, Whoa. especially in the troubled Balkan region of southeastern Europe, four years before World War I actually broke out. The Balkans are usually characterized as con- uh, compromising Albania, Bosnia comprising sorry yeah uh although sometimes I mean. sometimes they were compromised hey here's um, world war one yeah i said that and knew it was wrong and just went with it anyway um well i'm
1: glad i was here to stop you
0: anyway the balkans <laughs> albania bosnia and her uh, bosnia and herzegovina yep bulgaria croatia kosovo montenegro north macedonia romania serbia and slovenia Parts of Greece and Turkey are also located within the geographic region that is usually considered the Balkan Peninsula, and many descriptions of the Balkans include these countries as well. There were a number of alliances involving European powers. The Ottoman Empire, Russia, and other parties had existed for years, but political instability in the Balkans, particularly in Bosnia and Serbia, threatened these agreements.
1: Can we pause here? Yes. Um... The Ottoman Empire. Okay. What do you think about that? What do you think about the <laughs> Ottoman Empire? What do you think?
0: Um, is this the, 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 the part where you were like, oh my goodness? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Although
1: seeing the Ottoman Empire in this, I was like, what?
0: Mm-hmm. That Yeah, it feels like old timey, right? Like it feels like a um, like kind of Genghis Khan type of a thing. You know but what?
1: Th- I'm glad that you said that. Yeah. Because my segue... Okay. Oh wait, no! You sorry. You had more. Go on.
0: No, it's okay. Um, but yeah, this is just goes back to my theory that everything from like the ancient, like after ancient Egyptian stuff, yeah, up until basically World War One, all just kind of meshes together for me. Right. Yeah, it's all just like one big blur in my brain. Um. So anyway.
1: No, wait. I had my point. Oh, okay. The Ottoman Empire. Was a state that controlled much of southeastern Europe. hmm It was founded in 1299. Oh, okay. Hi, and then it dissolved, spoiler alert, November 1st, 1922. Hmm. Excuse me? What? <laughs> like I saw Ottoman Empire and I was like, <laughs> that's a little old, isn't it?
0: Yeah, that's like some like Age of Empires type stuff.
1: Even even in the uh the Balkans. Balkans? Balkans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mentioned North Macedonia as being um, part of that. Yep. And I'm like, isn't Macedonia really old too? And then later we're going to talk about Mesopotamia and I'm like, isn't that really old, too?
0: Yeah, this does kind of feel like almost the, the season finale of a, a bunch <laughs> of different types of, a uh, bunch of different scenarios.
1: Six seasons, no movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, while all this was going on, this is my favorite part and the reason why I've read so much so far. Uh, aviation was a relatively new field. The Wright brothers took their first sustained flight just 11 years before World War I Fantastic. in 1903. I read that and I was like, there is no way I am reading this right. Yeah. And that is factually correct. Um, Aircraft were initially used primarily for reconnaissance missions. Mm -hmm. The first machine guns were successfully mounted on planes on June of 1912 in the United States. But they had some issues. If timed incorrectly, a bullet could easily destroy the propeller (laughs) of the plane that it came from.
1: That's. That's
0: not good. No, no, that seems like a real big issue. Yeah, and also, I would not want to be the one testing that.
1: No, especially after
0: you see the first one. It's like, nope, no, no, no. I think there might
1: be an issue. I'm
0: fine waiting for the updated model of this. Thank you. (laughs) Um, The Moraine Solnier L, a (laughs) French plane, (laughs) that uh, a French plane provided a solution. The propeller was armored. With deflector wedges that prevented bullets from hitting it. But still, it kind of feels like that has a risk of like bouncing back at you.
1: That's so. lipstick on a pig, man. Yeah. Fix the problem. Right. Put the gun, like, I don't know,
0: to Lower? the left? Yeah.
1: Pointed a different way? Mm hmm. <laughs> I mean, they don't need my help. They learned, obviously. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think they figured it out.
1: But that is pretty funny that it was like, oh man, like, let's put a gun on a plane. They're like, yeah, it's only 11 years old.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It took them 11 years to figure out, okay, how can we make this into a killing machine?
1: Right. Yeah, totally. Which honestly seems like a long time for the human race. Right. Like you'd think that it would have, you know, come into existence and they're like, all right. Killing other people, though.
0: Yeah. Drones were used as, like, a killing thing, like, eight years before we knew about them as things that you could fly over family reunions.
1: Totally. Over <laughs> family the spark that ignited World War I was struck in Sarajevo, Bosnia, where Archduke Franz Ferdinand, heir to the Austro Hungarian Empire, was assassinated because it was before the year 1989, <laughs> along with his wife Sophie, by the Serbian nationalist Gavrilo Princip uh, in June of 1914. Princip and other nationalists were struggling to end Austro Hungarian rule over Bosnia and Herzegovina. I said that so fast it felt wrong.
0: No, you nailed it. It, it kind of felt because I remember I kind of remember <laughs> World War One in history class, uh-huh. and from what I remember, it kind of felt like everyone was just kind of like, "I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you." And then someone got smacked in the face, and it was on.
1: Right. Well, I mean, you did set the scene. Tensions were high.
0: Tensions were high.
1: <gasps> it was a hot summer that year. <laughs> the assassination of Franz Ferdinand escalated things quickly. Austria-Hungary, like many countries around the world, blamed the Serbian government for the attack and hoped to use the incident as justification for settling Serbian nationalism once and for all. Because Russia supported Serbia, Austria-Hungary waited to declare war until its leaders received assurance from the German leader, uh, Kaiser Wilhelm II, that Germany would support their cause. Austro-Hungarian leaders feared that a Russian intervention would involve Russia's ally, France, and possibly Great Britain as well. So... If my friend is doing it, I will also do it too. Right. Type of thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. We are going to mess you up as soon as they tell us that they're going to help us mess you up. Yeah. On July fifth, Kaiser Wilhelm secretly pledged Kaiser his. Wilhelm. Wilhelm. I like how you said it. I yeah. was
1: straight up like I'm a Canadian pronouncing
0: this. <laughs> I probably sounded like a you dick. You went so for that's it. No, yeah. you like nope.
1: high German background. <laughs> Kaiser Wilhelm. <laughs>
0: Uh, Anyway, that dude secretly pledged his support giving Austria-Hungary a so-called carte blanche um, assurance of Germany's backing in case of war. The dual monarchy of Austria-Hungary then sent an ultimatum to Serbia with such harsh terms to make it almost impossible to accept. So again, so you guys cool? Cool, cool. All right, screw you guys. Yeah. Uh, convinced that Austria Hungary was ready for war, the Serbian government ordered their army to mobilize and appealed to Russia for assistance. So, a couple of weeks after the secret pledge, Austria and Hungary declared war on Serbia and peace between Europe's great powers absolutely collapsed.
1: Into nothingness.
0: Within a week, Russia, Belgium, France, Great Britain, and Serbia had lined up against Austria Hungary and Germany, thus beginning world war one
1: wow at the outbreak of fighting in 1914 the united states remained on the sidelines adopting the policy of neutrality favored by president woodrow wilson while continuing to engage in commerce and shipping with european countries on both sides of the conflict Hmm. helpful yeah uh germany began fighting not i mean i can't fucking talk what's canada doing right now (laughs) twiddling our thumbs Germany began fighting World War 1 on two fronts, invading France through neutral Belgium in the west and confronting Russia in the east. Poor Belgium. Right? Just
0: sitting there minding their own neutral business.
1: They <laughs> got a bad rap. Yeah. In early August 1914, German troops crossed the border into Belgium. In the first battle, the Germans assaulted the heavily fortified city of Liege using the most powerful weapons in their arsenal, enormous siege cannons, to capture the city by mid-August. The Germans left death and destruction everywhere as they advanced through Belgium toward France, shooting civilians and executing anyone in their way. Lovely. I mean, at least they haven't found crystal meth yet.
0: That's true. Or crack.
1: It uh, does, doesn't matter. No, it was meth. Meth. At least they, at least they haven't found meth yet. Right,
0: but so many horses.
1: Oh my God! It- so many horses were in this war.
0: Oh yeah. In the Battle of the Marne, fought in early September of 1914, French and British forces confronted the invading German army with 30 mile, uh, within 30 miles of Paris. The Allied troops mounted a successful counterattack, driving the Germans back to uh, back to the north of the... I shouldn't have left that in.
1: I know, I read it, and I was like, I'm going to make sure Peter reads this part.
0: Aisne River? Aisne. Aisne. Uh, the defeat meant, you can keep all that in, the defeat meant the end of the German plans for a quick victory in France. It's like, oh man, we were really hoping to just kill everyone and win.
1: Yeah, it turns out Germany actually had like a couple times where they were like, yeah, we'll just win this really fast and it'll be over.
0: Yeah, which was basically the gist of their entire strategy in World War II as well.
1: Right, I mean, honestly, they just stuck to a plan and it didn't pan out for World War I, but it sure did for World War II. And then it didn't. I mean, and then didn't. But for a while, it did. Yeah,
0: mm. uh, both sides dug into the trenches, and the Western Front was settling in for a hellish battle that would last more than three years. Mm, so no the me, op- the opposite of a quick victory.
1: Yeah, this is where stuff like trench foot uh, became a thing.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> particularly long and costly battles in this campaign were f- uh, campaign sorry were fought at Verdun. From...
1: Oh, I was calling it Verdun in my mind.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that place too.
1: Verdun.
0: Uh, that one was fought for basically the entirety of 1916. Yeah. And the Battle of Somme? Somme? Somme. Okay. Uh, from July. The Battle
1: of Somme thing. <laughs> um, happened. It,
0: it was for some months too, from July to November of 1916. Yeah. German and French troops suffered close to a million casualties in the Battle of Verdun or Verdun alone. <laughs>
1: I'm not laughing at the casualties. No. I'm laughing at Verdunun. <laughs> With World War One having effectively settled into a stalemate in Europe, the Allies attempted to score a victory against the Ottoman Empire, which was still in existence apparently, mm-hmm. which entered the conflict on the side of the central powers, the Serbian side of the conflict is what that was, in late 1914. British-led forces also combated the Ottoman Turkish in Egypt and Mesopotamia, which also st- we still were calling it that.
0: Yeah, this does, like, just that <laughs> sentence. British-led forces combated the Ottoman Turkish in Egypt and Mesopotamia. It's what? like, all of those are old-timey things.
1: Mesopotamia is like the cradle of existence. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> We're still calling it that? <laughs> well, in northern Italy, Austrian and Italian troops faced off in a series of 12 battles along the Isanzo River, located at the border between the two nations.
0: Like, sorry, I can't get over this now. It's weird <laughs> that Canada was in the same war as the Ottoman Empire and Mesopotamia. Yeah. Like those those feel like different eras.
1: Totally, especially Canada's like a little baby country.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, it just it doesn't feel like that's something <laughs> that Canada gets into, you know?
1: Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. On the eastern side, Russian forces invaded the German held region regions of East Prussia and Poland. Prussia. Whoa. Oh it says Prussia.
0: Yeah, it's like Russia with a P.
1: East Prussia?
0: I'm pretty sure that's it, yeah.
1: Or should it just be Russia?
0: Uh, no, it is a uh, German state. Prussia? Yeah.
1: Huh. On the eastern side, Russian forces invaded the German-held region... Why do I keep on saying regions? <laughs> regions of East Prussia and Poland but were stopped short by German and Austrian forces in the Battle of Tannenberg in late August 1914. Despite that victory, Russia's assault had forced Germany to move two platoons from the west front to the eastern, contributing to the German loss in the Battle of the Marne.
0: The Marne. The Marne.
1: (laughs) There was a lot of uh, Newfoundlanders.
0: Yes. No, there wasn't. (laughs) Combined with the fierce, al- uh, the, combined with the fierce Allied resistance in France, the ability of Russia's huge war machine to mobilize relatively quickly in the East ensured a longer, more grueling conflict instead of, again, the quick victory that Germany had hoped for. Which I'm going to point out, everyone kind of hopes for that, right? Like, no one's going out and saying, you know what? Really hope this takes a couple years. Like, if we could just... really
1: hope this is a slog.
0: Yeah, if we could just really hunker down and just, like, one shot per day, that (laughs) would be fantastic. I feel like, though, most places have a plan B. Just a thought.
1: You may say I'm a dreamer. (laughs) Um, after a (laughs) fail,
0: after a failed attack on the Dardanelles,
1: which is a great name for like uh, a female group with three singers. Mm, mm -hmm. The Dardanelles,
0: yes, Uh, that is also the strait that's basically between Greece and Turkey, even though it's actually between Turkey and Turkey.
1: That didn't make sense in my mind though. Okay. So if you look at the strait, it there's just like a tiny patch of Turkey that is the strait. Oh, okay. So it's between Turkey and Turkey, but it looks like it's between Turkey and Greece. Okay. Yep.
0: Uh, anyway, after a failed attack, there, forces led by Britain launched a large-scale land invasion of the why do i get all of these
1: Gallipoli Peninsula
0: Oh of course um also Turkey in April of 1915 <laughs> the invasion was described as a failure and in January 1916 allied forces staged a full retreat from the shores of the peninsula after suffering 250,000 casualties
1: That's a lot Yeah That's A lot of people
0: Sure is
1: uh, the First Battle of the Isonzo took place in late spring of 1915, soon after Italy's entrance into the war on the Allied side. In the Twelfth Battle of the, in- of the Isonzo...
0: Okay, we're getting really lazy with naming things now.
1: Look, just wait until two sentences down I address this. Okay. Uh, also known as the Battle of Caporetto in October of 1917, German reinforcements helped Austria-Hungary win a decisive victory. Uh, and then i was going to say lol imagine naming all these <laughs> or trying to record or record keep any of this and then it's like wait was that the 4th or the 8th battle of the Anzo?
0: right like we're you're just <laughs> in a war like what signifies in the same spot the end of one battle and the beginning of another totally. one totally
1: it's like okay i heard this the other day it's like you don't actually ever stop. Like, once you start clapping, you literally never stop. Mm. Just the time in between your claps varies. Yes. That's what this is. That's what the Battle of the Asanzo is.
0: Right. It was all just one battle. It's like, a, it, it's like a boxing match where they just had 12 rounds. It was yeah. all one battle. They just had 12 rounds of it.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, after Italy's allies jumped in to offer increased assistance, British and French and later American troops... Uh, would arrive in the region, and the Allies began to take back the Italian front.
0: For the United States, neutrality was becoming rather difficult to maintain as Germany's unchecked submarine aggression against neutral ships, including those carrying passengers. In 1915,
1: Germany... I'm sorry, I just laughed a little bit. Okay. But I just thought about how good of a band name unchecked submarine aggression is. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) Ah, USA! (laughs) (laughs) The USA is now officially unchecked submarine aggression. (laughs)
0: I had a joke to add on top of this, but you topped it. That's that's fantastic. Okay, good. Um, in 1915, <laughs> Germany declared the waters surrounding the British Isles to be a war zone, and German U-boats sunk several commercial and passenger vessels, including some U.S. ships. So, kind of like World War II, the U.S. doesn't really get involved until someone kind of makes them get involved.
1: Yeah, forces their hand.
0: Widespread protest over the sinking of the British ocean liner Lucy. Sure. Traveling from New York to Liverpool with hundreds of American passengers on board in May of 1915 turned the tide of American public opinion against Germany. In February 1917, Congress passed a $250 million arms appropriations bill intended to make the United States ready for war.
1: Whoa. Ready for war. USA.
0: Unchecked submarine aggression.
1: USA.
0: Uncheck submarine aggression.
1: Germany would sink four more U.S. merchant ships the following month, and in April, Woodrow Wilson appeared before Congress and called for a declaration of war against Germany. Meanwhile, Russia's army mounted several offenses in World War I's eastern front, but was unable to break through German lines. Defeat on the battlefield combined with economic instability and a lack of food and other essentials, like more food, led to mounting discontent among the bulk of Russia's population.
0: Oh, no, it sounds lovely. <laughs> We're getting shit kicked. We don't have any money, so we can't spend it on the food we don't have. Yeah. Uh, this is great.
1: Russia's simmering instability exploded in the Russian Revolution of 1917, spearheaded by Vladimir Lenin and the Bolsheviks, which ended Tsarist rule and brought a halt to Russian participation in World War I.
0: That's how Russia gets down, man. They don't care that the entire rest of the world is blowing themselves up. It's like, hey, no, 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 no. We're going to do our own thing over here.
1: This is an opportunity to address my issues. Yeah. Russia reached a armistice, which I think we've covered before, but is indeed a temporary stopping of open acts of warfare by agreement between the opponents. That is what Merriam-Webster's dictionary is uh, Ah, cited. (laughs) With the Central Powers in early December 1917, freeing German troops to face the remaining allies on the Western Front.
0: How pissed would you be as the remaining allies? Like, really? You guys can't keep your shit together for, I mean, they didn't know this at the time, another year. Hey, we can't just, like, (laughs) kick that can down the road so you can help us. No, fine, whatever.
1: You go tell the Russians that.
0: No, that's a fair point.
1: With Germany able to build up its strength on the Western Front after the armistice with Russia, Allied troops struggled to hold off another German offensive until promised reinforcements from the U.S. were able to arrive.
0: On July 15th, 1918, German troops launched what would become the last German offensive of the war, attacking French forces joined by 85,000 American troops, as well as some of the British, in the Second Battle of the Marne. See, that one's fine. There's like three years in between.
1: Battle of the Marne.
0: Uh Uh-huh. The Allies successfully pushed back the German offensive and launched their own counteroffensive just three days later later after suffering massive casualties germany was forced to call off a planned offensive further north in the flanders region stretching between france and belgium which was envisioned as germany's best hope of victory Hmm. the second battle of the (laughs) Marne turned the tide of the war decisively toward the allies who were able to regain much of france and belgium in the months that followed
1: By the fall of 1918, the central powers were unraveling on all fronts. Despite the Turkish victory in Gallipoli, later defeats by invading forces and an Arab revolt that destroyed the Ottoman economy and devastated its land, the Turks signed a treaty with the Allies in late October of 1918. Uh, Austria-Hungary, dissolving from within due to growing nationalist movements among its diverse population, reached an armistice. How come I got all the armistices? (laughs) The is on November 4th. They're
0: called Armistice, Kim.
1: Armistice. Uh, uh, facing dwindling resources on the battlefield, discontent on the home front and the surrender of its allies, just compounding here, Germany was finally forced to seek an armistice uh, at the 11th hour on the 11th day of the 11th month, and World War One came to an end. And that, kids, is the story of Remembrance Day.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, you'll hear that a lot. I thought that was a quote from someone, and the more I Googled it, the more I found out that it's just a thing.
1: It's just a thing? Yeah. Yeah, oh, okay.
0: I'm sure, like, someone said it into a microphone, but there isn't, like, hey, this guy came up with that.
1: Okay, so do you want to hear my almost Berlin Wall level thing? Okay. Because it it goes here. Okay. Um, I I kind of thought that November 11th was just kind of picked.
0: Oh, <laughs> like that was like going in there like okay
1: like they were we like should... yeah everything kind of ended around this day yeah it wasn't like on the 11th hour the 11th day of the 11th month
0: yeah there wasn't a score clock of 1918 up in
1: marne but that that's my that's my oh my god i didn't know that <laughs> i thought november 11th was just they were like yeah i mean I was. this seems like
0: now. a good time to to call it quits yeah so how did you think I'm very confused.
1: Like why why did I think Remembrance Day was a thing?
0: Yeah, why why did you think I
1: thought they just picked it.
0: Oh. Yeah.
1: Oh. Like I thought that they were like, okay, you know what, this was signed on this day and this was signed on this day, so you know what? Let's cut it in half. Oh, meet in
0: the middle. Okay, okay, 12, okay, 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 okay. Twelve is a
1: baker's dozen. Let's Okay, I
0: was here. misunderstanding what you were misunderstanding. Oh, okay. I thought you were like never mind.
1: Uh, um, you thought I was way dumber.
0: No, well, no, I just didn't know what you, like, I didn't know what you meant.
1: Oh, yeah, no, I just thought that they were like, because I don't know, like, communication technology isn't great around this time. Yeah. It's not what we have today. It's not like you could look at a clock in New York and know what time it is exactly mm-hmm. on the German battlefront. And so you're like, yeah, I think it was the 11th that everything ended.
0: Oh, okay.
1: That's what I thought happened. Oh, okay. I thought okay. we just like, we're all like, yeah, the, the 11th, right? Yeah. We'll call it a holiday? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that's my, uh... anyways, some unfortunate happenings went on right after the end of the war because, like I just said, cell phones, live tweeting, any form of quick communication didn't really exist back in 1918. Mm-hmm. Um, so a few American soldiers thought that they were still in battle and rushed a German gunman, even though he was trying to wave them away. But then they were like running up on him anyway, so he shot them. There was also a few German soldiers who approached American lines thinking that they were infiltrating, but really the troops were, like, getting word that the war was over. And so then they turned around to see these German German soldiers and, like, shot them.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Like, imagine getting that knock on the door. It's like your son or your husband is, like, they almost came home, but well they just had like a romeo and juliet style whoopsies
0: i i was i I was actually thinking of this when i saw that because it's like word that the war was over would reach them before word that their loved one had passed away yeah right like the you would get all the like breaking news world war ii has come to world war one has come to an end like you would get all of those types of things
1: what did he just say world war ii yeah wait what (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, we've still, we've just, we, we've we called a stop here. This 11th hour, 11th day, 11th month. It seemed like a good time. We're just going to go into, in, into two right away here. Yeah. um, Straight to DVD sequel. Um, But no, like that, like that, that would have hit the presses first. And then a few days later, instead of like waiting for your loved one to come home, like that would have been, I mean, all of them would have been devastating, oh, but that totally. one, I feel like that one would have been, yeah, that, that would have really, That's really rough. sucked. Yeah. Yeah. At the Paris Peace Conference in 1919, Allied leaders stated their desire to build a post-war world that would safeguard itself a post, against a
1: post-war world, not a post-world war.
0: Hmm. Well, it was post the world <laughs> war, so it still it, it checks out. Yeah. Um. Anyway, the Allied leaders were hoping to build a planet that, w- or a, yeah, a world. I don't know. They're hoping to put up safeguards <laughs> to stop. Uh, future conflicts of such devastating scale. Oops. Anyway, yeah. some hopeful participants had even begun calling World War One the War to End All Wars, but the Treaty of Versailles, signed in June 1919, would not achieve that lofty goal.
1: Saddled with war guilt, heavy reparations, and denied entrance into the League of Nations, Germany felt tricked into signing the treaty, having believed any peace would be a peace without victory, as put forward by President Wilson in his famous 14-point speech of January 1918. As the years passed, hatred of the Versailles Treaty and its authors settled into a smoldering resentment in Germany that would, two decades later, cal surprise, be counted among the causes of World War II.
0: World War I took the lives of more than 9 million soldiers, 21 million more were wounded. Civilian casualty uh, numbers were close to 10 million. The two nations most affected were Germany and France, each of which sent 80% of their male populations between 15 and 49 into battle. Wow. World War One also brought about massive social upheaval as millions of women entered the workforce to replace the men who went to war and those who never came back. The first global war also helped spread one of the world's deadliest global pandemics, huh, the probably. Spanish flu epidemic of 1918, which killed between 20 and 50 million people.
1: That's insane. So like in 1914 to 1918-ish? Mm-hmm. About 60 million people died. Yeah. Dude.
0: Mm-hmm. Around 70. Because like, if we go with the top estimate of 50 million, yeah, 9 I million guess. soldiers, 10 million civilians.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess. That's 20. Damn, dude. Jeez. Yeah. 70 million people. That's a lot of freaking people.
0: Yeah, sure is.
1: Uh, World War One has also been referred to as the first modern war. Many of the technologies now associated with military conflict, such as machine guns, machine guns on planes, <laughs> tanks, aerial combat, and radio communications were introduced on a massive scale during World War I.
0: Not to be a dick, I feel like we maybe need to update modern war because I feel like we currently don't have issues with bullets bouncing off propellers, but that's right. it's, it's semantics.
1: Right, totally, and that's, like, the first step. Mm -hmm. They were like, you know what, we can't stop the bullets from hitting the propeller, but we can make the propellers not get destroyed by the bullets.
0: You got some guys trying some, like, weird, like, pool hall shots where they're trying to shoot the guys behind them by banking it off of their propellers and firing back. Um, The severe effects that chemical weapons, such as mustard gas and what? Phosgene? had on soldiers and civilians during World War I galvanized public and military attitudes against their continued use. The Geneva Convention Agreements, signed in 1925, restricted the use of chemical and biological agents in warfare and remains in effect today. Geneva Convention, another thing that uh, feels like it was about a thousand years ago and not a hundred years ago.
1: Yeah. I'm also like, that didn't really hold up. Like 20 years later.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Anyways.
0: World War One was one of the great watersheds of 20th century geopolitical history. It led to the fall of four great imperial dynasties in Germany, Russia, Austria-Hungary, and the Ottoman Empire in Turkey later in 2022.
1: Nope. It... 1922. Did I, did I not say that? You said
0: 2022.
1: Did I? <gasps> Is it still alive? <laughs>
0: uh 1922 sorry um anyway the fall of the four great imperial dynasties resulted in the bolshevik revolution in russia and in its destabilization of european society laid the groundwork of world war ii uh
1: while doing research for this show i kind of wondered uh what the non-european centric countries were up to so Mm -hmm. like canada australia and new zealand they all had troops fighting alongside britain and France, but something I did not know and something you may not know is that India had about 1.3 million troops uh, involved in World War I. Uh, some were involved in the Battle of Gallipoli Peninsula that we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and about 75,000 of them died in that oh, geez. conflict. Oh,
0: jeez. That's awful. Uh,
1: most of them were classified as junior troops. So oh. So they were basically soldiers in training.
0: Oh, that's not great.
1: Yeah, no. Um and I also wanted to note here, too, that in World War II, um, India also had, like, a ton of troops and a huge hand in, like, keeping the the, the more fascist sides of, like, the, it was the, oh, the Axis. Um, like, keeping the Axis at base. If you think about where they're located.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, not great.
1: I mean, they were on one side of Japan, and then the other side of them was... Nazis in Germany like yeah India was holding it down dude
0: yeah huh I hadn't thought of that
1: I know and then I know like I looked at a map but I was like uh yeah that is right actually yeah. <laughs> um I also want to note that Flanders Fields a poem that was written by a Canadian so potentially not as popular as I think it is is it does everybody know Flanders Fields
0: I, I think that is kind of just a Canadian thing
1: oh you think so I thought, I thought I was going to be wrong about that. I thought you were going to be like, no, Kim, everybody knows about Flanders Fields.
0: I would like to think so, but I, I, I legitimately don't know.
1: Oh, okay. Well, anyways, it was published in 1915. I thought for sure it would have been after 1918. Huh. But it was like written from the battlefield. Yeah. So that's a nice little tidbit about it. Um, are you looking up something?
0: I'm looking up the, the Flanders Field thing. Uh. Um, it, it is tough to say, like, hey, is Flanders Field popular in Canada or in the, the states? Like there are Americans b- buried in Flanders field. yeah, so i I but I as far as the poem is concerned, I'm not sure.
1: look, if you're one of our listeners not from Canada and you right. know about the poem Flanders Fields, please send me an email at we had podcast at gmail dot com mm-hmm. And in exchange, I will let you know. That eight million horses, donkeys, and mules died in World War One. Oh, jeez. Eight million.
0: Do you think one army showed up with a bunch of like mules and saw <laughs> someone riding on a horses? Like, well, shit.
1: Oh God. <laughs> that modern warfare technology. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so many horses. Yeah, it How sure many is. Horses exist in the world today. It's probably not oh, eight man. million.
0: Now I'm gonna have to Google this. How many horses?
1: <laughs> if you ever wanted to know what goes into creating a show today. it's this <laughs> uh,
0: according to oh jeez
1: what
0: EquineHeritageInstitute. Oh God, org.
1: Yes. yes, there's no one more credible than them.
0: There are 58 million horses in the <gasps> world today. I appreciate the dramatics. I feel like that gasp was maybe not warranted for the situation.
1: (laughs) No, it was. Where are they all? (laughs) 58 million horses? Uh, Between
0: 1867 and 1869, horse population increased by 37%.
1: That's too many.
0: Uh, The United States has by far the most horses in the world, (gasps) approximately (laughs) 9.5 million, according to the 2000. According to the 2006 Global Horse Population Report from the Food and Agricultural Organization.
1: I'm absolutely floored right now. I know you can't tell because I'm in a blanket for it.
0: (laughs) The U.S. sent well over 1 million horses and mules to Europe for World War I.
1: Wow, all of them died. Ripped.
0: American horse population peaked between 1919 and 1920 due to intensive breeding programs to supply horses for World War I, which I feel like a little late.
1: Wow. I just didn't know there'd be that many horses.
0: Among U.S. states...
1: Stop, I can't do more The horses.
0: AHC reports, uh, Texas is in the lead with 978,000 horses, followed by California, Florida, Oklahoma, Kentucky, Ohio, and Missouri. Rhode Island has the fewest horses with 3,000. Followed by the District of Columbia reporting a fluctuating total of 30. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's more like it. <laughs> 30 horses per state, and that's all I want to hear about.
0: Nine other countries have horse populations of more than a million. They are... No. China, Mexico, Brazil, Argentina, Colombia, Mongolia, Ethiopia, Russia, Kazakhstan, Guam... uh, Oh, sorry. uh, Period, after Kazakhstan. Guam and Grenada have the lowest totals of 20 and 30. Wow. Two countries, Rwanda and St. Helena, report no horses.
1: Wow. Wow. I want to go to those countries. I don't know why I have the hate out for horses all of a sudden, but I just want to know where... Like, you just told me where they all live, but they're just such big creatures, I can't picture it.
0: Horses were domesticated in about 4,000 BC, first in Ukraine. this is
1: not a horse podcast. I refuse. (laughs) Thank you for listening. We (laughs) hope that you learned something and that it wasn't specifically about horses. (laughs) (laughs) And how fucking many of them there are.
0: See, this is why you got to stay to the end of every episode. Oh my god! Little little anecdotes sprinkled in. We don't even need to do a show next week. We have the history of horses. You mean we bonus? Don't even,
1: we don't even need to oh, do an episode okay. next week.
0: <laughs> Rate, review, subscribe. Bye.
1: <laughs> At we had no idea podcast on Instagram and send us an email if you want to hear. Um, not about horses or about maybe another historical event that we have not covered yet. You can email us at we had no idea podcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>